If you understand Israel, you understand most of the Bible, you understand the church, and you understand the end times. This is Evidence and Answers with scholar, author, and apologist Pat Zucharin, who defends the Christian faith all over the world. I'm Kevin Harris. Today we're going to continue on a series on Israel, past, present, and future. We've already looked at Israel in the past, and you can get that program when you go to evidenceandanswers.org. It's downloadable, the audio right there through iShows, when you go to evidenceandanswers.org. So Israel past, and now, presently, we're at Israel present. Pat, if we read the newspaper, pretty hard not to run into Israel. Right, you know, their front page, center focus of what's going on in the Middle East and the entire, the Arab nations around the nation of Israel want to destroy the nation of Israel. Why is that? And why is this little, tiny little nation, uh, about the size of New Jersey, so important in the history and God's redemption of mankind? You know, in order to understand that, we had to look at Israel's past, which we did last week, now we're looking at the present situation of Israel. What is the state of Israel today? Joel Rosenberg, a Jewish Christian, calls this area of the world the very epicenter of not only what's going on today, but how we can judge almost all of history and the future. So we are definitely in the epicenter when we look at Israel. What is the state of Israel today in God's plan? Well, God has not rejected the Jews. Remember, he's made several key promises to the Jews as we studied last week. They were unconditional and they must be fulfilled. God's plans cannot fail. Well, we studied last week that the king of the Jews came and offered the kingdom to the Jews and they rejected their king, Jesus Christ, and crucified him upon the cross. Therefore, God has temporarily bypassed them the mission of Israel was to be a blessing to the entire world, to bring the knowledge of God to the entire world. And as we studied last week, they failed in that mission. And when the king finally came, they crucified their king. So God judged them in 70 AD. Titus and the 10th Legion came in, captured the nation of Israel, destroyed the city of Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, and the Jews have been scattered throughout the world. So God has temporarily bypassed them and is fulfilling the redemption of mankind through a new group of people made up of people of every tribe, tongue, and language, the church. The message of the gospel and the Great Commission has been given to the church and Israel is temporarily bypassed. However, God is not finished with the Jews and the nation of Israel yet. And Kevin, as I studied what's going on with the nation of Israel today, I see that God is working amongst the Jews and the nation of Israel in three distinct ways in our present time. The first way is that God is bringing his people back to the land of promise. Now, in the Old Testament, there are three predicted exiles and three predicted returns. Now, the first one is mentioned in Genesis 15. Here God prophesies to Abraham that his people will be in exile in the land of Egypt and in bondage for 400 years. So that's the first exile and the first return we discover in the book of Exodus and Joshua, where God delivers his people miraculously from bondage in Egypt and Joshua leads them in the conquest into the promised land. The second prophecy is made in Jeremiah chapter 29, that the Babylonians would come conquer the nation of Israel, and the people would be in exile for 70 years. Jeremiah chapter 29. And that's the second 
exile and return. In 586 BC, the Empire of Babylon comes, captures the city of Jerusalem and deports the Jews to the land of Babylon. And there, they're in exile for 70 years as prophesied by the prophet Jeremiah. In 516 BC is the first wave of exiles returning back to the land of Israel. Now, there is a third departure, a third exile, which occurs in 70 AD, predicted by Christ in Matthew chapter 24. Because of the rejection of their king, God judges the nation of Israel, and in 70 AD, Titus and the 10th legion come in and capture the land of Israel, destroy Jerusalem, destroy the temple, and the people are scattered throughout all the nations of the world. Now, there's some remnant Jews still there in the land of Israel, small pockets throughout the land of Palestine, but the vast majority have been scattered throughout the world. And I believe that a return is predicted in Ezekiel chapter 36. Now, in verse 24, it says that Israel will return to the land in a state of unbelief. Now, it says here in Ezekiel 36 that they will be coming from all the nations of the world. And when they return to the land of Israel, they'll be there in a state of unbelief. And then spiritual restoration will occur later. Now, there are some scholars who say that, well, the Ezekiel 36 is the prophecy of the Babylonian exile. And I once again would have to politely disagree with some of those biblical scholars there. The reason is, according to this prophecy, the children of Israel will return from all the nations of the world. That's what the text states. In the Babylonian exile, they're returning from just one nation, the land of Babylon. Perhaps this prophecy is being fulfilled in our time. In uh, 1948, the nation of Israel was created and the Jews from all over the world came to return. And if you understand Israel today, they are in a state of unbelief. And it could be that this prophecy has been fulfilled in our time. Now, let me tell you how the nation of Israel was once again restored. Remember, 70 AD, the Romans come in and decimate the land of Israel and Jews are scattered throughout the world. And it's been close to 2,000 years since they have been back in the land. During this time, the Roman Empire was over the land of Israel and eventually the Muslims came and took over the land of Palestine and the Middle East. From about 1400 to about World War I, the Middle East was ruled under the Ottoman Turks. It was under the rule of the Ottoman Empire. During World War I, the European powers got the help of the Arabs and the Jewish people and together made an alliance to overthrow the Ottoman Turks. And you may recognize this name, Lawrence of Arabia, a very famous historical figure, a British officer who was able to lead that coalition of Arab nations in a rebellion against the Ottoman Turks. And it was he with the Arab rulers who eventually won a victory over the Ottoman Empire. One of the things the European powers, England and France and Spain, what they promised these Arabs was that they would have their independence once they overthrew the Ottoman Empire. And to the Jews who helped them as well, the European powers promised the Jews that they would also have a land. Now, what happened to the Arabs is that a secret pact was made by the European powers unknown to the Arab people, and it's called the Sykes-Picot Agreement, which was formed in 1916. 
And this divided the Middle East among the European powers. And so the divisions that you see in the Middle East today, Iraq, Syria, uh, the Transjordan or Jordan, those were boundaries, Saudi Arabia, made by these European powers. And to this day, the Middle Eastern countries, the Arab nations, still remain upset over the boundaries that were made there. But this is the Sykes-Picot Agreement that was made in secret, unknown to the Arabs, and they divided up the Middle East. Well, in 1917, Lord Balfour is also part of the restructuring of the Middle East, called the Balfour Declaration, created a territory for the Jews and for the Arabs, the land presently known as Israel, Palestine, and Jordan. He created a declaration giving the Jews the land of Israel, Palestine, and the Jordan. The Arabs protested against this, and so Lord Balfour restructured it and gave the Jews just that small strip west of the Jordan. The others, other part, he created what's called the Transjordan, or the vast majority, he created the Transjordan and gave it to the Arabs, present day, you know, the country of Jordan and the land of Palestine. So the vast majority of the land went to the Arabs, and the Jews were given this small portion of land, and a large amount of Jews first wave, you know, begin to return to the land of Israel from all over the world. That was a declaration that was made, but it was not strongly enforced. But in World War II, as a result of the atrocities that we saw during the Holocaust, at the end of World War II, the United Nations officially declared the land of Israel to be a home for the Jews and declared it to be an official nation. And so God brought his people back to the land. So that's the first way I believe that God is working amongst Israel today, bringing his people back to the land from all the nations of the world. The second way God is working among his people, God is protecting and preserving the nation of Israel. You know, Jeremiah chapter 31, you know, verse 35 makes it clear okay, that the people of Israel will be around until the Lord returns. Now, this tiny nation of Israel, about the size of New Jersey, is surrounded and vastly outnumbered by the Arab nations who have rejected the Balfour and the UN declarations establishing Israel as a nation. And their goal is to wipe out the nation of Israel. They have not recognized the nation of Israel. They refuse to recognize the declarations of the UN and continue to seek the destruction of Israel. Now, many wars are fought as these Arab nations are seeking to destroy the nation of Israel. I'm just going to name three that I think are significant. The first one occurs in 1948, the War of Independence. As soon as this nation is created, the Arabs rejected the UN Declaration and five Arab nations attacked Israel right away. Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, Iraq, and Egypt. And Israel really doesn't have a strong army at this point. I mean, they're, they've just become a nation. But Israel defends itself, and the Israeli forces, in an amazing way, defeated these invading armies. Well, about 20 years later, and this is the famous Six-Day War in 1967. You may recognize this. Uh, you might have seen it on TV as a little child. Here, Russia, financing and arming the countries of Egypt, Jordan, and Syria, financed them and armed these nations, and they surrounded and mounted troops on the borders of Israel to the north, to the east, and to the south. Israel was surrounded. They were facing a force of 540,000, over half a million troops on the ground, 2,800 tanks, 
and 950 warplanes. That was the forces that were gathered on the borders of Israel, ready to attack. Well, Israel, seeing this, they launched an offensive and surprised them, and in an amazing way, just destroyed the military of the surrounding nations and extended their borders. I mean, they uh, took the entire Sinai Peninsula and pushed all the way into Egypt. Over 18,000 Arab soldiers were killed, 400 planes were destroyed, 500 tanks were destroyed. In just an amazing way, Israel was able to uh, mount this attack, and in six days, they just won a, a tremendous victory. Now, amazing. they had to surrender that territory as part of the, the peace agreement, but it was just an amazing way in which they extended their boundaries and took the city of Jerusalem. And so for the first time, they, you know, Jews were in control of the city of Jerusalem. Then there was a third war, the Battle of Yom Kippur, which occurred in October of 1973. On the sacred season of Yom Kippur, close to 10 countries come and attack the nation of Israel. I mean, Egypt, Syria, Iraq, Jordan, Algeria, Morocco, Saudi Arabia, Sudan, Lebanon, Kuwait. Uh, I was in Uganda, and the Ugandans there informed me that Idi Amin sent troops in this war all backed by the Soviet Union, attacked Israel. And the numbers against Israel are just astounding. You know, Egypt had about 600,000 troops, 2,000 tanks, over 500 warplanes. Syria sent over 1,400 tanks. Iraq had 18,000 troops, 230 tanks, 15 aircrafts. Jordan had close to 100 tanks. Algeria sent about 150 tanks. Morocco sent about 1,500 troops. Saudi Arabia had about 3,000 troops. Tunisia had about 2,000. Sudan, about 3,500 troops. The Soviet Union sent millions of dollars in support and in weaponry and provided aid by land and sea and air. And this Arab coalition attacked the nation of Israel, and they were victorious in the beginning. But the Israeli forces calling upon the United States for help eventually were able to defeat and repel the Arab coalition. And so in an amazing way, you know, God seems to be protecting the nation and preserving his people. And the third way in which God is working amongst Israel today, he is saving a remnant of Jews Today, there's an estimated quarter million, 250,000 Jews who have come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We call them Messianic Jews. Mm. Nearly a quarter of a million who have come to know Christ. And so, perhaps what Paul is speaking about in Romans chapter 11, verses 25 through 27, you know, this is the precursor of the fulfillment of one day all of Israel being saved. And we know that future prophecy teaches that one day God will restore the people of Israel unto himself. The Davidic promise that the descendant of King David will sit on the throne in Jerusalem on David's throne to rule an everlasting kingdom will come to pass. But I believe that's how God is working amongst his people today. He is restoring them back to the land. He is preserving and protecting his people and raising a remnant of messianic Jews bringing the message of the gospel to the Jewish people. So God is not, has not neglected his people. God is still working amongst the Jews to this day. 
Paul says in Romans 11, God has not rejected his people. And then when you go down to 25, 11, 25, uh, like you were referring to, Patty says, For I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. A partial hardening has happened to Israel until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved. So we see the future there of Israel One of these days, the last Gentile is going to come to Christ. That apparently will herald the eschaton, the eschatology or end time scenario that that God puts forth. So you just gave us, sounds like a a real good synopsis, uh, Romans chapter 11. Right, you know, and what can we expect in our day, you know, well, there's still going to be conflict in the land of Israel. I mean, the Arab nations that surround Israel seek to destroy the nation of Israel. Many of them have still not recognized Israel as an official nation, so we can expect a conflict to continue there in the Middle East. We're discussing Israel past, present, and future with Pat Zuckerin and Evidence and Answers. We have done a program on Israel's past. You can get that when you go to evidenceandanswers.org. You can also get this current a program on Israel's present and Israel's future, which is forthcoming. Get that as well when you go to evidenceandanswers.org. question that comes up, Pat, so often is if the Jews are God's people and he has them in mind and going to continually use them in world events, why in the world are they so persecuted? Well, there's several facets to that question, you know, and one of them, one of the key answers to that you know, is spiritual. I mean, Israel is essential to God's plan to redeem mankind. So if Satan can destroy Israel, he will thwart God's plan. That ought to be pretty glaring right there. We should expect this kind of uh, persecution, pressure, even satanic attack on the people of Israel being their status as so important. Right. In Revelation 12, you know, the Apostle John writes about this. He has a vision of a woman And she has a uh, crown upon her head, and she gives birth to a child. And immediately, the the dragon seeks to destroy the woman and the child, and she flees into the desert where God protects her. Now, in Revelation chapter 12, the woman is the nation of Israel, and the child she gives birth to is the Messiah. And Satan, the dragon, seeks to destroy the woman and the child. And so, Satan um, knows that Israel plays a key role in God's redemption plan and the establishment of God's kingdom here upon the earth. And so, you know, he seeks to destroy the nation of Israel, and therefore we should expect Israel to be under attack. And what happens in the heavenly realms reflects upon what happens down here. And so because Israel is essential to God's plan, Satan is launching just an all-out attack to destroy the nation of Israel. That's been done by various nations and Uh, It was especially done by the Nazis and the Holocaust. So many Jews losing their lives. Right. The Jews and the nation of Israel are one of the most persecuted people in the history of mankind. They've been under so much persecution, yet they have not been destroyed or they continue to exist as a people, a fulfillment of prophecy. You know, Jeremiah chapter 31 Just the fact that the nation is still around, that the Jews are still around as a people, you know, is proof that uh, Bible, you know, they're a legacy to the proof of Bible prophecy being true. 
Why are there so many unbelieving Jews today if they are God's people? The stats are pretty indicative of the fact that Jews tend to be atheist, agnostic, unbelieving, and so forth. Right, you know, and that's part of Bible prophecy as well. You know, the Ezekiel 36 prophecy that I read that the nation would be in a state of unbelief. And so that's part of the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. But also a lot had to do with the Holocaust. After the Holocaust and the killing of millions of Jews, many Jews, you know, abandoned you know, their belief in God. They still held to the Jewish traditions and the culture, but many abandoned any kind of faith in God. It's very difficult time for them. It's very difficult to reconcile how God could allow the slaughter, the wiping out of just millions uh, of the Jewish people. But this was predicted, you know, Jeremiah chapter 16 is an example of the prophecy of the persecution that would occur to the Jews for their disobedience unto God. You know, but God does say he will restore the Jews and restore them to their land. And that Jeremiah 16 prophecy, it's pretty interesting what the prophet says. It says that God will use hunters and fishermen to bring them back. In other words, uh, the persecution theme is what we see here throughout many of these prophecies. And persecution is a means by which God uses to bring the people of Israel back to the land and back to himself. So many of our Jewish friends today are resistant to Jesus because they see it uh, as a Gentile religion, and they wear persecuted colored glasses and look at the uh, persecutions of the Jews often when they think of Christianity, uh, when we as believers in Jesus uh, need to continually bring home to them that we're talking about uh, their Messiah, talking about that Jesus was the Jewish Messiah and that this is not uh, necessarily a Gentile religion. Right. You know, I was I was in Asia and a man was asking me, you know, he just couldn't understand how the Jewish people could not recognize their Messiah. You know, they have the Old Testament there and we Christians have the Old Testament. We're looking at the same books. How come they couldn't recognize their Messiah? And he was just totally confused. And one of the things that I explained to him is that Yes, we have the same books. However, the Jews were blinded. They misinterpreted the prophecies. Many of them were looking for a conquering king. However, there are also many prophecies. Isaiah 53 is a clear one that uh, the first coming, he would come as a humble servant to redeem mankind from sin and death. That's what Christ accomplished there upon the cross. You read Isaiah 53, that's a clear prophecy that this is not the nation of Israel as some try to reinterpret it. This is talking about an individual who dies for the sins of the world and is resurrected again. So there are several prophecies there that point clearly to Jesus Christ. Daniel chapter 9, the Messiah would come and the date is predicted. And, you know, the prophecy of the 77 indicates it's right about the time that Jesus was here. So you look at all those prophecies and it points to Jesus Christ. However, you know, the Jewish people misinterpreted many of these prophecies or they were just hardened and blinded uh, to the fact that their king has come. And what about today? Well, same thing. Many have misinterpreted these prophecies. Many don't know about these prophecies. Many are, you know, blinded, whether they want to be or, you know, just spiritually blinded to who these prophecies are pointing to. And if you could get them to read their Old Testament and look who the prophecies point to, you know, it points clearly to Jesus Christ.
We want to thank you so much for listening to Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckerin on this timely topic and remind you that you can get this entire series at our website, evidenceandanswers.org. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll find some of the best resources on presenting and defending your faith in Christ to an increasingly skeptical world at evidenceandanswers.org. World religions, atheism, the cults, the occult, apologetics, scientific and philosophical arguments for the existence of God, creation and evolution, the reliability of the Bible, archaeology and history, and the end times, to name but just a few. You'll find Pat Zuckerman's interviews with leading scholars and speakers on the most crucial issues facing the church and the world. Go to evidenceandanswers.org and be equipped. In fact, there's a new feature on our website called iShows, where you can download each individual show for just $2.50. They're 30-minute shows on our website, evidenceandanswers.org. Just like you download a song on iTunes, these are iShows that you can download each individual show you want. And we've got some of the top scholars on there. Dr. Norman Geisler, Dr. Craig Evans, Hugh Ross, and others are on there. And also you can read our articles. Evidence and Answers is supported by you, the listener, who appreciates a program that gives good answers to good questions. Our calling is to do what the Apostle Paul did on Mars Hill in Athens. He presented and defended the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we'll help you do the same by the grace of God. Just go to evidenceandanswers.org and any gift or purchase of resources will be a tremendous encouragement to us. And remember that this entire series is available at evidenceandanswers.org. This has been Kevin Harris. Thank you so much for listening to Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucharin. God bless and thanks so much for listening. Evidenceandanswers.org Evidence and Answers